Okay, hello everybody. Today is Thursday, and this episode is going to be a little bit different. As you can see from the title, this is a serial killer AMA that's an Ask Me Anything. Normally on Thursdays, I've been doing an episode on the disappearance of Donna Lass, a deep dive podcast segment about her disappearance and most likely a murder. I strongly suggest foul play in the disappearance of Donna Lass from September 6th of 1970. There will be one that will come out next week about Donna Lass on Thursday. This episode is going to be a bunch of things thrown together because last Tuesday I did not do the regularly scheduled true crime talk radio and I decided to devote um, a large uh, amount of time for Jack the Ripper questions and we just passed the, um, well, the anniversary of the death of Polly Nichols, who was the first victim in the Ripper canonical crime. So Tuesday was a day of tribute to her, and there was no episode that came out, no new one anyway. And then on Wednesday, I decided to devote the entire AMA to Ripper questions. I love doing the AMAs. I love responding to the questions and comments. But what it really comes down to is that I had to decide, do I want to have these things that are just kind of jumping all over the map, or did I want to make AMAs about one single subject? And the fact of the matter is, these are some of my favorite episodes where I get to respond to your questions and comments about all kinds of subjects, so I'm just going to keep doing them. And they might not be the most popular episodes on the channel, but uh, let's just see what happens. To begin, we have a question and comment from Irish Brummy zero one who has some things to say about Manny Grossman, the YouTuber, and Thomas Henry Horan, the host of the Stones Unturned podcast, in their recent dispute over plagiarism. Irish Brummy zero one writes, "I would classify myself. I would classify myself as a Horan fan. I'm starting to lean in favor of the myth theory. I bought Thomas Henry Horan's book." But he needs to learn that when you put forward a theory and people subscribe to that and expand upon that, that's not plagiarism. It's support. He should be flattered that his theory has taken hold, but no, he takes the attitude that it's his. Um, I could follow that type of thinking, except with Manny Grossman and Thomas Horan, there is a different type of dispute that's going on. One time on Thomas Horan's show, I think it was actually on the Professor Dad channel, not the Stones Unturned, he said, Manny Grossman is a good YouTuber, but he borrows a lot. I didn't bat an eyelash, I didn't think about that. Well, what does that mean? Then in a a, a um, previous episode, one that came out after that one, I should say, maybe let's just say the following episode, he said something to the effect of, and don't quote me on the number, but he's like, Manny Grossman's a great YouTuber, but 40% of his material is taken from the Stones Unturned podcast, and Manny heavily disputes that, and I heavily dispute that. I don't think that's true. I don't think that um, Manny has um, has taken anything of any particular um, episode that I can think of and put it onto his channel. I mean, we're talking about the information, that is. So I think that's all I have to say, and I've talked about this in a couple other episodes. I just wanted to put that one out in the beginning. And speaking of beginnings, I would like to remind you guys that you can download this show for free at Launchpad 1. There's a link to it in the description box. It's under the same name, Black Box Online Radio, but the easiest way to find it is just in the description box. You can download the audio as a pure podcast, take it on the go, anywhere and anyhow. In it, another great way to support the show is by going over to Amazon.com and looking at the book Killer on a White Horse by me, Ned DeHaan. It's a novel, murder mystery. And before I go any further into the episode, 
I was corresponding with Soren Korsgaard, who is the author of the book America's Jack the Ripper, and I'm hopefully going to be doing a book discussion about his book in the near future. And I was looking for a very particular comment that someone had once posted on the channel. I have one episode out about Soren Korsgaard's material responding to the YouTube videos he created for his book America's Jack the Ripper, but um, I haven't read the book yet, and I'm hoping to do that soon. But when I did that one video, someone left a comment on a different video out of place. It was just an open letter that had been published on my channel to Soren Korsgaard, and I was like, I don't know why you're sending me this. I don't know why you're putting out this. Hey, Soren Korsgaard, you're a Dane living in Germany, and I have this to say about your Zodiac theories. And I was just like, I'm not sure what to make of this. But anyway, while I was looking for that particular comment, I found an old manuscript that I had written back in 2010. I thought that this thing was gone, lost to time. I thought that the only file of this manuscript that I had written was rotting in the gutter in Moscow, and I'm not even joking. But, yeah, I found a novel that I had written in the past, and there's a reason why I'm telling you guys this, because a lot of people have been asking me the question after I put out the novel Killer on a White Horse, are you going to write a book about the Zodiac Killer because they think that there are some things on this channel that could be expanded upon and put into a book. And I was sitting at the dinner table a couple days ago, just sitting by myself eating a quesadilla, and then all of a sudden, it's like some type of dots were connected. And you have that light bulb moment, and I suddenly began to understand things in a different way. And not exclusively Zodiac Killer, but Serial Killer related. Yes, the Zodiac would be a big section of it. But I had this new idea for a book that could build upon a lot of the old material. And something that I'm doing that is a little bit selfish, I have made some new observations about the Zodiac Killer mystery that I haven't revealed yet because I wasn't sure what to do with them. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I have this new idea for a book. And then I found my old manuscript. But the problem is, that one was intended to be partnered with another type of short story, and they're going to be put together. Like back in 2010, 11, and 12, I had wanted to do that. You know, like have like two or three um, short novellas put together into one book, and now I'm actually able to complete that project. So part of me is like, got to go through the uh, to-do list, the checklist, and I think that that might be something that I would do first. Then at some point in the future, maybe I'll sit down and write out this serial killer book um, that's going to talk not only about the Zodiac Killer, as I said, about many different things. So please look out for many things in the future, and as always, you can like and subscribe, and you can even visit the Teespring page, have a look at some of the t-shirts, coffee mugs, merchandise, all of that stuff is in the description box, and remember, being weird is not a crime. Our next comment is from Shopshire on the episode Serial Killer John Aykroyd, The Ghost of Highway 20. John Arthur Aykroyd was a serial killer that operated in Oregon. He would lure his victims into his vehicle on said Highway 20, and then he would murder them. One of them survived, but the interesting thing about John Arthur Aykroyd is that he was only convicted of one murder. I believe it's the murder of Kay Turner, and um, he seems almost certainly guilty in other crimes, though. So, um, the comment is from Shopshire, who says, This is just one stretch of U.S. Highway 20 in Oregon. How about all the women who are indigenous 
in British Columbia off of Highway 16 and Highway 79, actually it says 16-79, and all those who have perished in unsolved mysteries. Oh, absolutely, I've talked about what you're referring to. That is the Highway of Tears. You see, in Western Canada, the cities are very far apart, the transportation centers are not well connected, people are also always short of funds, so a common way of navigating the Highway of Tears, as it has sadly been named, is to hitchhike. And the episode that I did discussing this material was on the death of Amber Tuckero. The reason why Amber Tuckero's case became so famous is because there was a voicemail that had been saved. I believe she actually called her brother, who was in prison, and the call went to voicemail, and because the prison re records all incoming calls, so they had a very lengthy conversation with somebody in a truck who says he's driving her to Edmonton, Alberta, and he's going to go in the back way to the city through 50th Street. But Amber Tuckerow was found dead, murdered. But the reason why the Highway of Tears has become a popular dumping ground, and most likely, almost certainly, multiple serial killers are operating that stretch of Canada, is because it's just, it's secluded, and people are resorting to hitchhiking to move around. And one of the absolute most saddening and disturbing things about it, they say the soil there is very soft and gentle, and it's easy to pick up with a shovel. Absolutely disgusting. Hot Rock Nation has left a comment on the episode Zodiac Ross Sullivan Debunked. Oh yeah, by the way, I've been doing a debunking series on the weekend talking about some suspects that I certainly do not believe were the Zodiac Killer, to the best of my knowledge. Ross Sullivan was the first one, and Hot Rock Nation says, Okay, I'll try to debunk some of your debunk points. Point one, you say a schizophrenic can't plan, but that is absolutely incorrect as James Holmes was the Batman movie shooter displayed with shooting and bombs set up at his place. Point two, you say that the Zodiac was in control and Ross Sullivan was not because he ran around nude and trapped a man in a phone booth. First off, the Zodiac talked about how he struggled with control like it was a battle within himself. Secondly, the Zodiac showed many signs of being narcissistic, which had an attention-getting act of running around naked, sorry if I laughed at that, and trapping someone in a phone booth would fall under. I'm, can I just pause for a second? You say that he is too tall, but most witness identifications either look, either looked at the Zodiac from the ground or from a building down, not standing directly in front of him, seeing him eye to eye. You say that he is too big. You can't always guess a person's weight just by looking at them and who carries their weight. Well, 300 pounds or 200 it's high, but look much less. You talk about the boot prints in the ground show that the killer was around 220 pounds, at least. The key thing here is how far your shoes or boots would sink into the ground and is based on the hardness of the ground when standing upon it. All right, now normally um, I probably wouldn't even respond to this one because I don't think that Ross Sullivan was the Zodiac Killer, and I did a whole episode on that, the debunking one, right? But because it says, I'll try to debunk some of your debunk points, well, now I'm going to try to debunk some of your debunking of my debunking, just because I wanted to say that sentence. Point number one, you you say that um, a schizophrenic can't plan, but that's absolutely incorrect, as James Holmes was the Batman movie shooter, and he was good at planning. 
Um, I don't think I ever said that a schizophrenic can't plan. Uh, definitely a schizophrenic would have less control of over his mental faculties. No, absolutely not. I didn't say a schizophrenic can't plan. Look at Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. But here's something that I wanted to say to uh, Hot Rock Nation. Your example, James Holmes, he was a mass shooter, not a serial killer. And... I think that's very telling. That's something that would be more typical of someone who would be a schizophrenic, that impulsive, not willing to wait, doing something that is a one-off experience as opposed to a cold, methodical, and calculating set of crimes. I have a three-part series on James Holmes here on this channel, so I can tell you that, yes, he contemplated becoming a serial killer, but he thought that it wouldn't bring enough destruction into the world, and I don't make, mean to make light of anything. But yeah, James Holmes wasn't even a serial killer, so that falls um, into, uh, I mean, that's kind of a moot point. But yes, of course a schizophrenic can plan, but I would just ask you that question. Will a schizophrenic have more or less control of their mental faculties? Absolutely less, and we're going to see, explore some of that later on. Point two, you say that the Zodiac was in control and Sullivan was not because he ran around nude. First off, the Zodiac talked about how he struggled with control like a battle within himself. That's a battle with internal control, not external. I believe the Zodiac was saying stuff like, oh, there's this thing inside of me that's driving me to kill. Not, I'm running around naked and I'm going to trap a man in a phone booth. Internal versus external. You say he is too tall? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've just proved that point. There are no witness sightings of someone who is six foot two, like Sullivan. And you say that the boot prints um, in Lake Berryessa depend on how hard the ground was, like, to determine whether or not someone was 200 pounds or 300 pounds. I don't believe that's true. I um, I think that that is just an incorrect uh, statement that... um. I mean, the, we're what he's talking about is I made a comment in the video about how the footprints at Lake Berryessa yes, were estimated to weigh 200. They were estimated to have come from someone who weighs 200 to 220 pounds. And in 1969, Ross Sullivan was estimated to have weighed 300 pounds. So also, we do not have any witness sightings of someone who weighed 300 pounds. Most people expect that the Zodiac Killer was much closer to 200 pounds. I think... Ross Sullivan is too big to be the Zodiac Killer. Now, here's something to you. Michael Morford responded to that same episode about my debunking uh, of Ross Sullivan, and he tackled an absolutely different aspect of the case, and that was locations. I mean, yeah, we can argue all day, did some guy weigh 200 or 217 pounds or something like that? I, we can't go back in time and put Ross on a scale now, can we? But what Mike Morford said was... You made a comment in your debunking video about Ross Sullivan that he was in Santa Cruz in 1969, not San Francisco. Mike Morford says that he can definitively place Ross Sullivan in San Francisco. However, he has moved on from Sullivan, and he now, of course, thinks that the Zodiac Killer is McDuff. But the person who made the cast of the footprints at Lake Berryessa that I was just talking about was none other than Harold K. Snook, also known as Hal Snook, and I just wanted to share some things about Hal Snook because I was online just reading up on some stuff, and I found that Hal Snook was actually mentioned in a book called Napa Valley Lawman, 
and there was a chapter uh, dedicated to him. Uh, this is absolutely not related to the Zodiac Killer. It's talking about Hal Snook as a forensic scientist. It was a very short chapter. I mean, perhaps we could even call it a section instead of a chapter, but it showed um, Hal Snook at working as a forensic scientist, and I wanted to share some of those um, photos and the material and um, invite anyone else to just have a look. You can even read through some of it on Google Books here for free. And the full title of the book is Napa Valley Lawmen and Outlaws by Todd L. Shulman, S-H-U-L-M-A-N, Todd L. Shulman, Napa Valley Lawmen and Outlaws. And I would like to go to our next question, which actually came in via email while we're talking about the Zodiac Killer. I'll stay on this serial killer point. And this is from Andrew, who sent this in to the email address, blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com. Anybody can do the same. And the question is, any idea why the sender of Paul Stein, of the Paul Stein letter, if not the killer, chose to obtain and send a piece of the victim's shirt if they had undisclosed information to offer? I mean, that's a brilliant question. In the first Zodiac letter, the Zodiac says, I will state some facts that only I and the police know, and then he lists off the facts. The, um, the boy at Lake Herman Road, who we now know, of course, is David Faraday, had his feet facing the car. I'll state some facts about the girl in the 4th of July. She was wearing patterned slacks, and um, so on, even though she was wearing a slack dress, but that's what the Zodiac wrote in the letter. Well, obviously, if... If the person who murdered Paul Stein wrote the letter that contained a piece of Paul Stein's shirt, why go to that length of um, cutting off Paul Stein's shirt at all when, when he could have just said, okay, I'm going to say some facts that only I and the police know? Well, I think I can answer that. Number one, there's a theory out there that Lake Berryessa is a copycat. I don't subscribe to that theory, but... The previous Zodiac incident, Lake Berryessa, which occurred on September 27th of 1969, maybe was not the Zodiac killer. That was someone who learned about it from the papers. And then the Zodiac wanted to prove to everybody that, yes, indeed, he murdered Paul Stein. That's why he cut off the piece of the shirt. And he took credit for Lake Berryessa only by saying, the, uh, I am the murderer of the taxi driver at the two kids by the North Bay. Something to that effect, though. I think I'm paraphrasing a little bit too much, but you get the idea. I don't agree with that theory because I think the Zodiac wrote the message on the car door at Lake Berryessa in substitution of a letter. He wrote that instead of sending in a letter immediately after the Lake Berryessa stabbing. Not to mention, there is a phone call. But... Also, I've been talking a lot about Jack the Ripper recently, and Jack the Ripper cut out the organs of his victims. And I've said it once, and I'll say it again, I think the Zodiac Killer is a cheap 20th century Jack the Ripper knockoff. And perhaps whoever murdered Paul Stein was emulating Jack the Ripper, and he wanted to um, not cut out his kidney or something like that, so he cut off a piece of his shirt because it was less gruesome, less time-consuming, didn't less likely to get caught, but it was paying homage to Jack the Ripper. After the third and fourth Ripper crimes, which happened in the double event, that's the murders of Liz Stride and Catherine Eddowes, there's that message that's written on a wall, and after the third Zodiac crime, the uh, Lake Berryessa stabbing, which was almost a double event, uh, then... um. There is a message written on the car door because they're at Lake Berryessa and there are no walls around. 
I absolutely, in every fiber of my being, believe that whoever came up with the Zodiac Killer idea, persona, set of murders, was someone who was emulating Jack the Ripper to some extent. Now, the piece of Paul Steinscher, maybe, uh, maybe that's like a less, um, well, a less gruesome way of going about it, or maybe it's uh, something totally different. Next question from Andrew. Uh, wouldn't it have been easier and less risky to prove involvement with written information than breaking into an evidence locker? Oh, yes. Well, that's um, related to the hoax theory. I'll read another sentence. He says, Hi, Ned, I appreciate the uh, Zodiac hoax theory is difficult to disprove, but I don't believe for a minute. But I get a lot of listening to Horn and Evan because they have spent a lot of time with the reports. I think that's true as well. Then let's read the question again for fun. Wouldn't it have been easier and less risky to prove involvement with written information than breaking into the locked evidence room? Mm, I think we could still answer that with um those uh that previous example about Jack the Ripper. They wanted to pay homage to him, or they're trying to make the um whoever came up with the Zodiac persona is trying to show something to the Ripper. Oh yeah, but I almost forgot something very valuable. That could have a clue of literary significance. Why did the Zodiac send in a piece of Paul Stein's shirt instead of just saying, oh yeah, I murdered this taxi driver. Now I'll state some facts that only I and the police know he was wearing this colored shirt. He had this type of ring on his finger. And, um, you know, he had this uh, driver's license number of such and such because the Zodiac has Paul Stein's wallet. So why not just do that? Well, it could have been a clue from literature. The um, channel Skating Crow Productions talked a lot about how the murder of Paul Stein could have been influenced by T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, particularly the line, leaving a taxi throbbing and waiting. So there may have been, even if it's not The Wasteland by Eliot, there could be another uh, clue from some book or movie or TV show that inspired him to cut the piece of the shirt. And... Um, then let's go on to the next one here. And by the way, this is not exclusively serial killer related. This is just in the true crime world. Aaron Stoner has put out a new video on the disappearance of Stephen Kosher. And I think that his videos are absolutely excellent. He was the guy whom I first mentioned on the channel because he found a forensic artist to create the composite sketch of a suspect in the murder of Missy Beavers. I also learned about a new case from Aaron called The Murder of Elijah Wood, or it was The Murder of Elijah Wood. You might see it referred to as the racetrack murder. Um, track is spelled T-R-A-C. Elijah Wood was working in a gas station, and somebody just walked in, shot him, and then walked out. And they had one of those videos where they couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman. I strongly believe that it was a man who murdered Elijah Wood. And the good thing about Aaron's coverage of that was he was even pointing out that the type of gloves that were worn by this individual were battle gloves from football, like the, t the kind that a wide receiver would wear. And the, the perpetrator was very tall and very thin, so perhaps it was a wide receiver. But when I was on the Lord and Arts channel, they, they in the recent update, they were just saying, or John Lord and the host was saying, that the authorities are still unclear on whether or not it was a man or a woman who shot Elijah Wood. With the disappearance of Stephen Kosher, um, Aaron has been on the ground, and I mean that literally, searching the areas where Stephen Kosher may have uh, disappeared. And the most recent video that he put out was looking for a very particular piece of um, of Stephen Kosher's past, and it was his cell phone, actually. It was called Stephen Kosher Case Update 2021, no stone unturned. I would invite you guys to listen to that.
Now, I have a question here that is only halfway serial killer related, and it is from Ray Grant, who is the author of the book Zodiac Killer Solved. And he says, hey, superstar, why'd you block me on Reddit, lol? Um, firstly, I, I hope you're referring to me. I mean, I don't know who else you'd be talking to. No, but about Reddit, I've never blocked anyone on Reddit. I don't even think I have a Reddit page. I don't post there, so that really isn't my territory. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure why, or how, if you mean the site blocked you, or that somebody, um, who has a similar name, perhaps Ned Stark or Ned Flanders or something like that, blocked you on Reddit, but no, that wasn't me. I don't use Reddit. I have no connection to it. Ray Grant, though, did send me a copy of his book, Zodiac Killer Solved, and I have been reading it. I'm loving it, actually, so please look out for next week's Zodiac Mondays.